but also to trust you as they do. Lord, knowing you will provide. So God, we honor you in all we do in our giving today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Bless you as you give this morning. And it's uh, my privilege to be able to welcome to the stage Pete McCarthy. He's our adults pastor. Overseas, our, our dream team and our, uh, our small groups. He's an amazing man of God. It's so great to see the work that God's doing in your life, Pete. Looking forward to you bringing the message this morning. Come on, let's welcome him this morning. Fantastic. Man, it's so great to be sharing with you this morning. Uh, like Mike mentioned, my name is Pete uh, McArthur, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And I get to share uh, more and more often, actually, these days. So I just appreciate your patience as we do that. Well, f- first of all, I'd like to ask you the question, who's really in charge? Who's in charge? And then that slightly deeper question, or who's actually really in charge? And uh, that's what we're going to be sharing with you this morning around the book of Daniel. Uh, Before we do that, though, let me just pray for you quickly as we get into the Word. God, we thank you that your Word says that you're the beginning and the end, that you are in full control over everything that happens. And uh, Lord, we just ask that that truth would resonate uh, within us and it would sink deep into our spirit, that we would learn to trust you with no matter what is going on, that we know that you are high above it all and you are with us and in charge this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I used to think that in our home, I was the one in charge. Um, I'm thinking that less and less these days. I'm thinking something's got me wondering, Pete, are you really in charge? And I'm not talking about my wife. That's a separate conversation. But uh, she probably is in charge, actually, if I have to. Yeah, my bro knows the story. All these other fellas are just trying to be all staunch. Me and you, bro. But um, I've got a little two-year-old boy. He's got a snack box that goes with us, uh, goes with him wherever we go. Uh, inside that snack box, there are usually four or five different items. All of them are delicious, and he gets to choose whatever he wants, whenever he wants it, when we're out and about. On top of that, underneath, in, in our lounge, we have probably six or seven different buckets, each one with a different type of toy. He's got cars, he's got trains, he's got uh, soft toys, he's got blocks and cups, and probably about 40 different kids' books. And uh, it's all got me wondering, well, who's really in charge? Because our lives seem to be focused more and more around that little boy. I would probably hazard a guess, and I haven't done the sums, but I'd probably guess that between 95% and probably 98% of all money earned by Sarah or myself goes to either running our household or providing for our kids, right? So who is really in charge? Well, I'm not so sure anymore. When Sarah and I got married, we signed up to get internet uh, with a particular company. And uh, when we signed up, they told us that it would take two weeks. Now, that might seem like a long time now, but back then, uh, two weeks was reasonable. So we set about waiting two weeks. And at the two-week mark, I decided to give them a call because we currently didn't have internet. And uh, week after week, there was one problem or the other. And uh, I decided after a while just to call them every week and say, hi, Pete MacArthur speaking, just want to find out about my internet. And they'd say, oh, you know, there's been some problem. Okay, fine, I'll call you next week. And every week I'd call them. 13 weeks went by, 13 weeks before we got internet in our house. 
Now, that, that was not a good thing. But how many of you know, towards the end of that time, all godly patience is well out the window. You know, it's like the Spirit of God is good, but He's not that good. After 13 weeks, it's all gone, you know. And so I'm on the phone saying, please, would you just put me through to someone who's in charge? Please just put me through to someone who is in charge. And what I didn't say, but behind that question was, your incompetence is not solving my problem. You're clearly not in charge. You don't have a clue what you're doing. So please just put me in touch with someone who can help me. And it got me thinking this week as reading through the book of Daniel that so many of us can have that same question, whether we verbalize it or not, towards the Lord when, problem comes, when problems come along. You know, when problems come along and we cry out to God, whether we verbalize it or not, maybe, just maybe, be honest with me here, church, we're asking the question, God, are you really in charge? I've learned in my mind that, that I'm supposed to believe that you're in charge, but, but I'm being tempted to doubt that you really are in control. Is God really in charge? If you're like me and you've been a Christian for some time, you've learned that you're not actually allowed to ask that question. But, uh, and even especially as a pastor, you're not allowed to ask that question. But, but it doesn't mean that we don't feel that question. That within our spirits, uh, within our souls, something asks the question, God, are you really in charge? Because it doesn't feel like you are. Maybe you ask that question on a cancer journey. And as you are going down the road of that journey, your life was changing so significantly that you asked the question, is, is God really, truly present in my struggle here? Maybe you asked that question when, when a marriage breakup was taking place and, and, and the behavior of your partner or, or maybe your collective behavior together was, was so dominating your world that you asked yourself the question, God, are you really, truly in charge here? Whatever you're facing, let me encourage you that, that God is in charge that he is totally in full control over everything that is going on in your world, no matter what may set itself up in your life against uh, where you currently need to be going. No matter what sets itself up in your life, let me encourage you that God is in charge. One of my favorite authors is a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he wrote a number of books in the 30s and 40s, and uh, the thing that fascinates me so much about his writing is that he wrote a number of books in an, Ill in an illegal Bible college in Nazi Germany in the early 40s. And he wrote these books. And uh, at the time in, in the early 40s, in fact, America didn't enter the war until December of 41. So, so actually, in, in 1940 and most of 1941, the the power was held by the Nazi government and their empire stretched all the way across Europe. There was not a single leader, uh, not a single government um, government leader or, or army or, or whatever that was in Europe at the time, um, con continental Europe, that wasn't affected by the power of Adolf Hitler. And so if there was anybody tempted to doubt the power of God in the face of an incredible uh, evil empire that stretched across his um, multiple nations, it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But, but the thing I love about his writing is that he expresses that there's hope. 
that there actually is hope in Jesus, that no matter what power, no matter how significant the power is that has taken root in your life, our God is stronger and he is more powerful. And no matter how immovable something might seem, our God can move it can shake it in Jesus' name. So let me tell you that in your life, the thing, your boss, although he might seem like he's in charge of your future, he is not in charge. That the sickness that has taken root in your life, though it might seem significant, our God is the healer and he is above that. No matter what you're going through, it is not in charge. Our God is in charge. Now the story of Daniel reminds us that no matter what we're going through, that there is a God who is in charge. And it asks us the question, how are we to live when we're tempted to feel like God is not in control? How are we to react when those feelings of doubt come around God's control? Let me give you a bit of background to the story. Um, as we've been looking at the, in the series of Haggai recently, it's brought up these... these um, thoughts for me around the book of Daniel. And uh, so the background to the story is that the kings of Israel, for the most part, with a few exceptions, were a pretty bad lot. There are a few good kings, but most of them weren't that great. And uh, God would raise up prophets saying, God, God would raise up prophets saying, if you continue in your wickedness, the Babylonians, they're going to come, they're going to level the city, and they're going to take you uh, back to Babylon. And in the year 587 BC, that, that actually happened. The Babylonians came, they leveled the city, and they took a bunch of people back to Babylon. And one of the things they did was that they took the young leaders of Jerusalem, and they took them back to serve as leaders in Babylon. And uh, that's where we pick up the story of Daniel, because Daniel was one of those leaders who was taken uh, from Jerusalem and asked to serve, or asked, he was told to serve, in the king's court. And uh, at the time, the king had this crazy dream, and he wanted it interpreted for him. So he goes to his advisors, and he says, I want you guys to uh, interpret this dream for me, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You need to tell me both what the dream is and what it means. Well, of course, they couldn't do it. And so uh, the king ordered that they would all be put to death, and not just those involved with a higher-up leadership, anybody involved in an advisory capacity in the king's court was to be executed. And this is where we find, uh, get, get the story because, because Daniel finds out that he's actually about to meet an untimely end. And so uh, Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 to 28 says this. He goes before the king, and uh, this is what he says. He says, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, enormous and dazzling, and awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out and not by human hands. It struck the statue on the feet of iron and clay and smashed them. 
Then the iron, the clay, and the bronze, and the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. So let me explain to you just briefly what this dream means for us today. Because no matter what uh, generation you live in, there will always be somebody setting themselves up in the place of God and saying that their kingdom and their empire is immovable. At the time, it was the Babylonians, but it wasn't that long ago when the Nazi government uh, had effectively done the same thing. And even these days, without getting too political, the North Korean government is also doing the same thing. They've set themselves up in the place of God and saying that they are exempt from the power of God. But they're wrong. Because the message of... uh, They are wrong, actually. The message of God through Daniel is that when... Something comes up in your life and you're tempted to think that it has the final say over your future. You need to remember that it does not have the final say, that God is present in any and all situations and his power does have the final say over your life. Can I explain it to you in a a different way? When I was a kid, we used to go camping in Opononi every summer and, uh, and every, every summer, we'd, we'd go over New Year's and Christmas, uh, after Christmas and early New Year's. And uh, every summer on the 1st of January, there'd be a sandcastle competition on the, street, uh, on the beach of Opononi. And uh, it was always really, really well attended. And so you'd walk up the beach and uh, littered up the beach with these amazing sandcastles. It was quite a competitive thing. And uh, adults and kids and all sorts got into it. And there'd be beautiful sandcastles decorated with shells and sticks and and anything that you could find on the beach. There'd be small ones. There'd be big ones. There'd be more kind of garden variety sandcastles. And then the other ones that were just amazing and beautiful. But no matter how extensive you built the sandcastle, no matter how beautifully it was adorned, no matter how significant it looked on the beach, there was a much more powerful force at work that day, right? The tide. And the tide is coming in. And it's coming up the beach. And there's no building of sandcastles uh, that can fix that. You can build moats. You can kind of build walls to block off the water. But eventually, the tide is coming in. And it's going to return the beach to how it was before the sandcastle competition started. And so, so for me, that's a picture of, of the things that set themselves up in our life. That God is like the tide, and it might not seem powerful, but he's inching up the beach, and he's returning everything to how it was before things started to go wrong. Our world is not how it should be, but it's okay because we can have faith that God is like the tide, and he's coming up the beach, and he's making all things new. Every time someone preaches a message like this, there's a certain temptation. And uh, even though I believe with all my heart that God breaks through, even as a church, one of our key statements is that, is that we believe in breakthrough. We expect breakthrough. In fact, as, as a minister of the gospel, the only hope I ever have to make a difference is to continue to expect breakthrough. But one thing I know is that I can never 
expect that God does all the work. Anything that gets done is ultimately attributable to him, but I can't sit back and just kind of uh, blindly accept that breakthrough is coming. There has to be something of engagement on my side. It's like you can pray hard for revival, but never invite anybody to church, right? That's a real temptation. It's like that, that you can pray for breakthrough in a, over an addiction, but never join a um, small group or a support group. There is an engagement that's required in order to see the breakthrough come in your life. And I must say this, that, that although God is breaking through in our situation, he is also in the business of empowering people to help build the kingdom. So this morning, as we look at Daniel chapter 2, I believe that there are three little clues. There are three ways that God is helping us uh, to engage with him on building the kingdom. And that's also the three things that you can do when you are tempted to feel powerless in your situation. The first thing that you can do when you're tempted to feel powerless is to faithfully serve. To faithfully serve. Daniel chapter 2 says this, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this point, at this, the king, uh, Daniel went into the king and asked for time that he might interpret the dream for him. You know, when someone has ordered that you and your friends be put to death because of your superior's incompetence, the last thing you want to do is to faithfully serve. But that's what Daniel did. He, he put himself in a position where he was faithful in serving the king, the same leader who had ordered he'd be put to death. When you find yourself in a position where someone else has control or thinks they have control over your future, one of the most influential things you can do is faithfully and honestly serve them. When your marriage starts breaking down and your uh, partner's behavior is really affecting the family, you can serve them uh, with, by serving their needs with humility and honesty. When your boss takes credit for your ideas and for your performance, you can keep faithfully serving them with more good ideas and asking them honestly, what can I do to help build this organization? When you find yourself under a leader who believes that they hold the power to affect your future, you can exert significant influence through a combination of faithful service and brave honesty. You know, the second thing that I believe we can do when we're tempted to feel powerless is to practice community. Practice community. Daniel chapter 2 also says this, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them, to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends may not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Why do you think Daniel went to his friends for help? Now, he already knew what he had to do. He already knew that he had to step out and go before the king and, and bring this word from the Lord that, he was believing in faith God would give him as he slept. He already knew that. 
But I believe the, the reason Daniel went to his friends was because he instinctively knew that in standing in a community, things would become easier. That in standing in a community of friends, he would find somebody to stand alongside him, somebody to say to him, Daniel, I believe in you, and I believe in Yahweh, the God of heaven. And I believe that God is at work in this situation to move as you step out in faith. You know, I listen a fair bit to a, a pastor from the States called Chris Hodges. He pastors a fairly large church over there, and um, he says this about God's kingdom. He says, everything in the kingdom of God is relationally transferred, relationally transferred by contact with another believers, believer who possesses what needs to be transferred. Let me put it to you this way. If you've got an addiction you need to get past, one of the best things you can do is spend time with somebody else who has gotten past that addiction. If you've got a sickness that you need to face, that you know in your heart you need to face with bravery and courage, one of the best things you can do is find somebody else also with a sickness who is facing theirs with bravery and courage and support each other as you uh, relationally give each other strength through your difficult times. Everything in God's economy is transferred through relational contact. You're always going to face enemies and giants in your life, but you do not always have to face them alone. The final thing that I believe the, the book of Daniel teaches us when our circumstances feel, make us feel powerless or tempt us to feel powerless is to pray. Very simply, to pray, pray, pray. You know, the message of Daniel tells us very clearly that, that there will be kingdoms that are established in our world that make us feel like God is not in control. The way to get past that is to have faith and hope that God is in control and he is also in control of those things in our lives. For me, one of the uh, most practical and significant ways God teaches me that I'm not in control and that he is, is through prayer. You know, prayer is, is like a confession in and of itself that the Lord is in control and not me, that I have a need that the Lord can fill, and faith that he is going to do that. Now, prayer is a statement that says this. It says, God, you are in control, not me, and I need you here with me. You know, nearly every time I do anything in church, um, I feel weak. And uh, it's, it's got to the point now where that, that feeling doesn't really bother me because I know that the Lord has said in his word that he would put his strength and his revelation in place of my weakness. That when I'm feeling weak, actually what I've done in confessing my weakness is build a platform for he to show his strength. And that doesn't even bother me anymore. In fact, I was joking with Sarah before the uh, first service. I said, this stuff doesn't bother me anymore. And I kind of joke around with the Lord and I say, well, God, if you're not going to show up, this whole thing's going down. You know, it's like Jenga. She's falling down. She's going to come down quick. But I have never once had the Lord uh, not come through. He has always come through. And so I've stopped worrying about it because I know that, yes, I'm weak, but it's okay because God is strong, and he has put his strength in place of my weakness. 
Nearly every time I get up in church, I say some, I pray a prayer like this. I say, God, I'm pretty weak right now, but I'm stepping out knowing that you'll back me up because if you don't, all this will come to nothing. If your circumstances have you feeling powerless or paralyzed, if fear has got, gotten in the way of your faith, you can go to God in prayer and expect him to break through in your situation. When you're feeling powerless, you can talk with God, admitting weakness, and expect him to bring strength in its place. As we finish this morning, I want to share an incredible scripture with you as the band comes. and That's found in Daniel chapter 7. This is what the scripture says, Daniel 7 verse 13. It says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion was an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You know, God is still in control. And he has established his kingdom here on earth with Jesus Christ as the king. That although all other kingdoms might pass away, our God and his kingdom will never pass away. It reminds us that God's power is greater than anything we might face. That God's power is greater than cancer or all earthly sickness. That God's power is greater than any level of uh, family dysfunction we might experience in life. All difficult relationships pale in comparison to the Lord's power. That any toxic work environment or negative culture can and will be shifted in Jesus' name when the Lord steps in. As we close today, there's a component of the story that has me a little nervous. It's a scary question. It's a question that I want to put to you today that I wouldn't be doing the Scripture justice if I didn't ask. You see, in the book of Daniel, there are several kings, and they've kings of Babylon and and every one of them built an empire that shook its fist at the power of God every one of their empires looked up to heaven and said I am the king Jesus not you and I know that even as a pastor I can have a similar attitude sometimes that there are things in my life that are shaking their fists at the Lord. Even as a pastor, I know that you can build a platform up here on the stage that was designed for you and not for the Lord. Even as a pastor, I know that all the um, servant-heartedness can be a farce to serving yourself. And I, and I know that when I see these kings, there's something in me that says, yeah, I want to be like Daniel, but there's this part of my life that's actually like the kings. That there's a, a portion of my world that seems to be an empire standing against the will and the purpose of, Lord, of the Lord. So here's the question. If your life was a throne, 
who would be sitting on it? Who would be sitting on the throne of your life? Follow-up question. If your career was the throne, who would be sitting on it? Do your finances represent godly values? These are difficult questions. If your romantic relationship was a kingdom, who would be its leader? You know, inside all of us, there's a tendency to crown ourselves the king. And I believe right now that God's spirit is speaking to us gently about an area that needs to come under the lordship of Christ. That as a person before you, I know that it can be tempting to have a portion of life which doesn't surrender to the Lord. Let me encourage you, if God is speaking to you right now about an area in your life that needs to come under his leadership, have the bravery and the courage to share that at small group with a friend. Write it down in a diary and bring it before the Lord. There's another group of people I'd like to just briefly share with. And maybe you've come for the first time and maybe you've been coming here for ages. And you know in your heart that you've never said an unconditional yes to the Lord. And you'd say to me, honestly, Pete, if I was to walk into the throne room of my life, God wouldn't be on the throne. And so if that's you, let me encourage you. I've been there. As, as a young teenager, I knew what I experienced, what it was like to be attempting to run my own affairs only for it to be ending in destruction. And let me encourage you that while you are surrendering, surrendering control to God, God only wants good things for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make your life fulfilling, give you purpose and a hope. And so if God's calling you to come home this morning, if God's calling you to step off the throne of your life, it's not a scary thing. He just wants the best for you. And so we're going to pray in a minute. And if that's you, would you have the courage to pray with me? Let's pray. With every head bowed and eye closed. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud and all together as a church, we're going to speak it out as well. And if that's you, if God's calling you to come home, to have relationship with Him today, do you have the courage to pray this out loud as well? Dear Jesus, I know I've messed up. Today I choose to give you my life. I hold nothing back. Thank you that you died to cover my sin. And you rose again to give me hope. Thank you that you found me. And thank you for your grace. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that was you this morning, I'd love for you just to pop your hand up nice and high. We'd love to see you. Get a Bible into your hands and chat to you about the Lord and your next steps. Just pop your hand up nice and high. Awesome. 
Please pray. God, we just thank you for everything you're doing in this place. Thank you that even now, even this morning, you'll call people home, call people back to yourself. Thank you that all of us have experienced what it was like not to have things in line with you, but you've called us home. So for the rest of us this morning, the, the people that you've put uh, something on our hearts that needs to change, we just ask, I just ask for bravery and courage to step out and to tell somebody, yep, there is an area of my life that needs to change and come back into alignment. And I'd like some help with that. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and that we can come here and be together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's celebrate a bit this morning. Will you jump to your feet? We've got one final song. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What a great message. Anyone encouraged by that one? Fantastic. Hey, if God's spoken to you about anything in the service, maybe you actually need to connect with some community, talk to somebody about maybe a decision you've made. We've got a ministry team that would love to pray with you, connect with you after the service. Please come forward, receive some prayer. If you're visiting with us, we would love to connect with you in our guest lounge at the end of the service. Give you a cup of tea and coffee and uh, connect with you. Don't forget to invite somebody. Grab an invite card. Invite somebody. Next week, we start a new series, The God Nudge. Ever felt God kind of nudge you with something? We're going to talk about what to do when that nudge takes place, all right? So bring your friend. It's going to be fantastic. Bless you. Have a great week.